Ah, it's a double bass again.
You indeed turn our darkness into light, Lord, even in the darkness of confusion and ignorance at times, God. Even as Christians, Lord, we struggle at times to know what to do and where to go. And you, Lord, help us. You illuminate our hearts with the Word of God. Uh, you bring people into our life and instruction from the church, Lord, for a better understanding of where we are and what we should do. We ask God in particular, Lord, to be with us and our families in particular, Lord Jesus, throughout this week, to help the husbands and wives, Lord, to continue to love each other, for the wives to submit, for the husbands to uh, live in honor with their wives, God, and to lead accordingly. We pray for the children to submit to their parents and to love them, Lord, and support them, and to prepare themselves, Lord, to grow up to adulthood so that they can take care of their parents in their old age, God. We pray, Lord, for continued family unity. God, and continue growth in love and the fruit of the spirits amongst each other. Help us, Lord, to take care of one another as families, as couples, and as singles, God. And that we are uh, the church of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are the family of God. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ with respect to our salvation, Lord. And that we are called to, to do what we can to help one another to reinforce uh, familial love and uh, relationships, Lord, and long-suffering and Mercy and compassion, God, and submission, obedience, all these things that are required in the family and in couples, Lord. And also for the singles, God, that we pray for them to encourage them. And we ask, God, that you would help them find godly mates, uh, Lord God above, and that you would protect them from the evils and temptations of this world. Indeed, protect all of us, God, uh, the families with children and the couples, Lord, and those with children that have grown up and gone through life. We pray for our grandchildren, God, that you would be with them as well, Lord, and uh, for our children, our children's children, to continue to to believe and trust in Jesus Christ and to learn and study your word. We ask God for the protection of Christian families, Lord, here in the Denver area and the churches, that they would stand firm and instruct the families to do the right thing and to warn them from danger and encourage them to continue on to do the right thing, as we read here in First Peter. We ask God for the protection of the church, for faith, for providence here, Lord, for our growth, for our growth spiritually and numerically, Lord Jesus Christ above, for the fruit of the Spirit for continued love, for patience, for obedience and submission as we are called, God, and to have a zeal for your righteousness, for your holiness, Lord, to do what we are called to do throughout the week, our vocations and callings in life, to obey your law, to understand your word better, and to take care of things day by day, Lord. We pray, God, for the leadership of our church, that they would do the right thing, that they would be wise with respect to finances, wise with respect to discipline, wise with respect to the future and what to do to help the church to do what it's called to do, God, above, to keep her viable. We pray, God, for the deacons as well, that he would stand firm, Lord, and do what he can do to be an encouragement and a help in the church. And indeed, not for our own church, Lord, but for our sister churches here in the Presbyterian of Dakotas, Colorado as well, that their leadership would do the right thing, uh, even, Lord, when it's uncomfortable, that uh, the church would support them in their efforts to do the right thing, God, and that they would continue to be faithful to your word, and that their churches would also grow and be faithful to you, Lord, and grow numerically and spiritually, our God above. Help us, we pray, to learn and to grow in the church that you've given us, the nursery of God's people, Lord, that we may uh, continue to ever be students, to ever be tutors, Lord, ever be followers of Jesus Christ, our teacher. We pray, God, for our cities and our counties, uh, that our leadership would do the right thing, that they would not be abusive, that any corruption would be rooted out, and that we would have faithful laws, God, and, re- and enforcement of those faithful laws, Lord, and lack of enforcement for the wicked laws especially. And we pray, God, not only for our 
cities and our counties, Lord, but also for our state and our federal, that they'd be wise with the monies, Lord, and that they would save up money and not spend it like drunken sailors, but rather, God, uh, that they would do the right thing, even if they are unbelievers, as most of them are, Lord. And we know they can do the right thing in your providence. We pray that, to again, for our neighbors, because we are citizens of this nation and patriots, but especially for the Church of God and Christians, Lord, who can be affected unduly from too much taxation, from frivolous spending, from wrong spending, from wicked spending, God, and taxation, other laws that are intrusive and harmful, but easily ripe for much abuse, God. Protect us from these things, we pray, Lord Jesus, our Savior above. And we ask, God, especially for revival, a waking up again of the truth of your word throughout this nation, throughout our state and our city, God, and that we can help, Lord, and indeed ourselves. We pray for ourselves that we would continue to Continue on faithfully, Lord. Continue on keeping on, God, in perseverance of your word. In your name alone we pray. Amen. We now have the tithes and offerings. rise these tithes and offerings. Continue to give our church wisdom, Lord, and help the monies to be multiplied and give us wisdom to that end for the good of your people. In your name alone we pray. Amen. You may be seated. First Peter 3, 7. First Peter 3, 7. It's after the big book of Hebrews. That's how I memorized it many years ago, the big book, small books. I have a visual memory that way. Whatever works for you, maybe just go to the table of contents. That's fine, too. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Let us listen attentively to the word of God. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Let us pray. Our Lord and Savior, we indeed do pray for the husbands and indeed all of us, God, to understand the husband's responsibility, uh, that they would continue to be encouraged, God, and not give up in their calling to live with their wives with understanding and to honor them as those who are their helpmates and those who are the joint heirs 
unto eternal life. In your name alone we pray. Amen. Just as submission is a bad word today, so is, on the flip side, leading or ruling. That makes sense since the one implies the other. To rule means others must submit to that rule and be under that rule. And although the word lead can be used in a less offensive way, implying that the person need not follow. And I've seen this quite interestingly enough, again, in conservative circles where they're saying, well, you know, the wife has to choose to follow. It's her, it's her decision. And there's, obviously it's true in one sense. She's a moral agent. She's got to choose. But they're highlighting kind of like, well, you know, the ball's in her court. Well, yes and no. She's still morally responsible. If she doesn't do it, she's in sin. So that's no way around it, just by saying lead. And now, leading, of course, I mean by leading, also ruling. Yeah, we know traditionally that's what that means. The husband leadership, leadership also means rule. The responsibility to lead comes with the expectation that others should follow. Yet ruling or leading does not mean the husband should treat the wife without honor. And that's what he's highlighting here, as well as some other important points for the husbands to pay attention and take note of and to continue to do, as I believe we have done more or less in our lives here today. The first point, husbands dwell with understanding. Now he starts out, of course, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. Likewise, what wise? What's he talking about? It's unsaid, right? We would call that elliptical in, in the grammar, dot, dot, dot. Likewise, what? What's the likewise here? Clearly, the likewise is not, well, like the wife submits, so the husband should submit. What? 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 <laughs> Text one doesn't say that. Two, it says quite the contrary elsewhere in the Bible. Uh, and three, it's against the light of nature. It obviously doesn't mean that. It's an applied comparison, I think, uh, of do your duty, do your responsibility, do your privilege, like the wife is called to do her duty. You likewise are called to do your duty. And here's your duty, and I'm packing at least part of that duty. Obviously not all of it. That's the likewise. Husbands, likewise, like your wives, have a calling and a responsibility. You too have a calling and a responsibility. To dwell with them, that is, your wives, your wife. I have here singular, husband, dwell with Understanding with your wife. Dwell is an interesting word. It's used by Peter. It's a unique word. And in fact, I found out in my study that Peter had a couple other unique words. Quite interesting. I think of Peter as, well, you know, he's just a fisherman. What kind of education does he have? He's using this word. It's a unique word in the New Testament. Paul's the one who's uh, so well trained he makes up words. He makes words. He's made a couple of words, just compound words that are, we cannot find in other literature, in fact. Dwell here is a unique word. It's not simply living in a place like you are a city dweller, right? You've heard that phrase. Maybe you don't use it anymore, but you dwell in the city or something like that. That's not what the word is indicating here. It's specifically to dwell with one's spouse. It comes, it's two words, with and house. Probably heard of Oaken, uh, the house word there, economy. We get the word for uh, house from that Greek word. We get the word economy, excuse me, from that Greek word. Okane. With the house, to live with your spouse. And emphasizes the closeness of the marriage relationship. That they must, at a minimal, <laughs> at a minimal, live in the same house. And it presupposes that the living in the same house is a living together in love, 
with full duties exercised towards each other because of love, both through leadership and affection with the man in particular here. It implies that the husband and wife should be together. And he ought to not just dwell with her, because it's nice to live with her, but to dwell with her with understanding. With understanding. Again, understanding what? You know, likewise, what? Understanding what? Women in general, the wife in particular, the requirements to honor her, the reasons offered to honor her, that she's a joint heir, perhaps a little bit of all of them. They certainly overlap. Knowledge of a woman helps with the knowledge of a wife. The knowledge of a wife includes some knowledge of women in general. The knowledge of honor is obviously here in the text attached to the knowledge of his wife and of Christian women in general being joint heirs together in grace up to heaven. We're all equally saved. Now I take the word here with understanding as a sympathetic understanding, a sympathetic knowledge. Imagine if a boss did not take into account his employee's strengths and weaknesses. He just thought he was just a superman. He could do anything all the time and had no strings and no limitations. And this employee's, this worker's name is John. Turns out John doesn't work well with heights. His wife is pregnant and needs help around the house because she's sick as well. And John didn't have training on the unique equipment for the night crew. But the boss went ahead and gave him a job that dealt with heights the time his wife needs help on equipment he wasn't trained for. Is that a boss who's leading with understanding? Who understands his employees, who understands the job, understands what can be done and what cannot be done? Would you want a boss like that? Some of you probably had a boss like that. Like, What is going through this man's skull? That's what I mean by sympathetic understanding. Oh, okay, okay I, I get it. I, this, these are important facts. I have to adjust what I do in my leadership role. Not to take it personally, like, oh, well, how dare you have an f- irrational fear of heights and not know your job so well. well you, you didn't instruct me, you know, I came to the job, I'm a newbie or whatever. It's all kinds of, you know, thousand and one things that happen in real life. Not knowing any one of those, not knowing all of them, of course, makes the, the matter even worse. An oblivious boss like that is a boss that has a miserable company and miserable workers. Similarly, if men do not dwell with their wives in understanding, it can make a miserable marriage. On the flip side, to dwell with understanding is to show, as best they can, some love and consideration. A considerate boss, we would say, and I would argue a loving boss, would be aware of the strengths and limitations and not make the company worse or his employer's life worse employee's life worse because he doesn't adjust and put them where they fit best. That's not a good boss. That's not a loving boss. Now, not be, he, may not be, he may be unloving unintentionally. He's just ignorant, doesn't know, and he needs to be instructed. That could be the case here. He's reminding the husbands here, maybe there are a bunch of you know, Gentiles that just recently got converted. Hey! Your wife doesn't have just one function in life. She's a helpmate, and you're supposed to honor her. You're supposed to understand her. That is, understand what it means to be a woman and a wife in particular. So husbands are to dwell and lead their wives. Uh, the idea of leading, of course, is applied here. And just being called a husband, 
as he mentioned elsewhere in the New Testament by Paul in particular, with understanding, to dwell and to live and to lead with understanding. Of women in general, here, of women in general, for example, women literally do not process the same information the same way men do, at least the best we can understand, not only by anecdotal evidence, which is good enough if you have thousands and thousands of anecdotal evidence over the generations. You know, you know women are different. Men, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. That was a big popular book in the 90s. We know this by our own experience. Our parents show us this. We grow up and we see our, our mothers act differently than the, than the fathers do in a number of ways. Of course, there's a lot of similar things. They both eat. They both add 2 plus 2 is equal to 4. But when they've done brain scans, brothers and sisters, different parts of the brain light up on the women than they do in men. It's absolutely amazing. And we come up with the same answers that they come up with. You know, when you ask the question, they're processing in the brain. It's just like, Wow. Near as we can tell, they literally think differently sometimes. (laughs) And that's not a bad thing. It's just God made them different. Isn't that what we always celebrate in America? Always being different? Isn't that amazing? But no, we don't want to be that kind of different, right? What the... Hollywood, wow. Women are also more relational, on average, again. Typically, women aren't interested in things. Men are interested in things. Again, across the board, on you know, given something that's very, very interesting, women will, will talk about relational things, they'll watch relational shows. It's not wrong, again. That's what they're mostly attuned to. That's not only our personal experience, again, over the generations, you talk to each other and kind of, oh, okay, that makes sense. But again, they've done the studies over decades, over continents, different countries with different languages, and they've drawn the same conclusion. Now, women might like some certain things. They like their shoes or something, just to pick something out of the air. But at the end of the day, in the aggregate, you add up all the different things they like. They like more relational things than men. You see it in the book distribution. I just remembered that. I mean, I have a collection. I have a nice long collection over the last five years of all these differences. And one of them is book. Who buys the books? Who buys and who reads the books? A lot of the relational books are women buying it. They may be good in science. They may be good in math. My wife has a math degree. We have two mathematicians here, right? But they're still women, and they still do womanly things, and that's a great thing. A good way this comes out in practical life, there was a recent book I covered. I read that covered this, written by a liberal clinical psychologist. So she's not on our, our court, but she's saying everything we agree with. They're like, see? If you understand science, they're saying the same thing we, we believe, just like with evolution and so with uh, male and female. They're in our court. The hard science is there. In the work world, women are as competent as men. And this came out in the 70s and 80s and 90s and early 2000s. More and more studies came out. Women were pushed into the workforce a lot more back then. Uh, and so they had a lot of evidence to draw these conclusions. They're, they're competent. The, the IQ test, they're, they're, they're the same, Okay. By the time they're in their early 30s, they don't want to be working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. So they change their jobs. A lawyer, a lawyer is a good example of that. They'll drop being a lawyer. They're done with it. And they'll go do something like teach somewhere, work with people, work with kids. They're not interested in things like money as the bottom line. But what can I do? I want to spend more time with my family, so I want to work less hours. Overwhelmingly, when they pull them, 
60, 70, even up to 80% of the women are like, I would rather work less hours, maybe a different kind of job, and I will do it eventually. Because women are different. Because the complaint was, why aren't women making as much money? Because they don't stay doing 80 hours a week. Why? Because they have different priorities than many men do. They think differently. They don't have testosterone, for example. That makes men more aggressive. And if women don't understand that, to flip the, the narrative here, women need to also dwell with men in understanding. <laughs> a man's not a woman with anger problems or something. He's, he's just, we think differently and we have aggression. Uh, and we need to redirect that aggression, in this case, to, to work. You work long hours, you work hard hours, you stretch your body out, you stretch your mind out. Nothing wrong with that. To dwell with our wives, with understandings, to realize women are not just men with different plumbing. And of course, if your wife in particular, that maybe she's more relational oriented than your mother in one thing or another, different you know, issues of relationships come up, different um, dynamics, different circumstances uh, pop up. And again, if you add up all those and you put them all together, you find out a little different here, a little different there. Other differences, other character- characteristics that make them more unique than other women. You need to know that for your wife as well. To dwell with her in understanding. Husbands, honor your wife. Or husband, honor your wife is the second point. Honoring the wife. The words, it's a good translation. Honor, to show value or esteem. Of course, that's a relative category. You're not supposed to give them absolute esteem. Only God has the highest honor and all the honor. Your wife draws you to sin. You say, no, I will follow God. Your husband draws you to sin. You say, no, I will follow God. You can say it nicely, but you will say it nevertheless. And the children as well. Honor, of course, is not an excuse to undermine the, the husband's authority. That's been used, even in conservative circles. Well, you should honor me. And what they're basically saying is you should listen to what I have to say and let me run the household. No. No. Honor is real, and honor should be expressed in various and sundry ways. I'm not going to give you a list of what it means to honor your wife, her birthday, uh, ho- uh, Halloween, uh, Christmas, uh, anniversary, surprise. I haven't made. This is, this is what you could do, guys. You get a rose bush in your backyard, and you just come by once in a while, clip it, a couple of them <laughs> face. There you go, honey. <laughs> Consideration, of course. I mentioned that last week. You know, ask your wife. She may have expertise you don't have. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. My wife likes to crunch the numbers, so I let her crunch the numbers when it comes to the budget. So, different ways of honoring. Part of the honor, although not explicated here, would be understanding her strengths and weaknesses and not uh, treat her like another man and expect her to have the same kind of strengths as a man, uh, but rather understand her other strengths and use them. It's an enduring category, of course, of the heart. That is, in whatever culture we find ourselves in, Japanese, uh, African, or American, the husband is called to honor the wife first and foremost in his heart with a dedication to her and no one else. Uh, she's the most dedicated object in his life, short of Jesus Christ. Even the children come behind her. Children will grow up and leave the household. Don't forget that. She'll be with you. So, show her honor, and not just 
live with her with honor, not just give honor with the lips, but give honor in the actions as you are able to do. The actions, of course, may look different in different cultures, to be sure. Some cultures are more openly affectionate than others, for example, in public affection, I mean. Uh, in the military, we used to um, uh, talk about you have, to, you have to be careful not to do PDA, public displays of affection. Not allowed to do that. Some cultures aren't that way. Some are more verbal. Some are more reserved. Talking about British reservation, for example. That's not wrong. They just show honor differently. And we should not uh, berate somebody from another culture who shows honor differently than the way we do. Honor, of course, uh, the one way to express it historically in the West. What did it look like? What's the old language we would talk about? Women and children first, for example. Opening the doors. Preferential treatment for women and wives in particular. And we're told, that's not fair. Treat us the same way. You really want to be treated like a man? Okay. Then start doing the physical exam for a fireman's job. Can't do it. You literally can't do it. You don't want the second best fireman. You want the best fireman. And the best men will always be stronger than the strongest woman. Period. So they don't want that kind of honor. They just want all the, what they perceive, because it's a form of what? Envy. Because they're not, and also on the flip side, they're just not satisfied being a woman. They're told being a woman apparently is subpar in the West. Who knew? It's not. The blessings that we have in the West and many things that women have is absolutely uh, amazing. So, he gives some reasons here as I read it. Weaker vessel. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, vessel, and as being heirs. Two reasons to honor her. Of course, to answer, ask this question is to have the answer already. Is your child as strong as the father, you as a father? Is the child as strong as you as the mother? No, the mother's stronger than, than the children. Is it an insult to call your child weak? It is not an insult. It is not an insult to call the woman the weaker vessel. Peter does it here. The Holy Spirit does it here. That needs to be clear. Just because there's limitations, again, relative limitations, the amount of empathy a woman has compared to many men on average is much greater. The child wants empathy. Who's the child going to go to? Usually the mom. Usually the mom. You don't want the kid going to the dad often. Suck it up. Your arm's still attached. What's the problem? And there's a place for that, right? There's a place to be tough. Again, they've done the studies, and the rough and tumble that the father does for both kids is good for the kid. It's actually good for the kid. The interaction with the, with the man. The man, man's interaction, of course, is more aggressive, both verbally and physically. It toughens the kid up, even little girls get a little tougher. And that's good, they need to be a little tougher, but not quite as tough as a man, because they'll never be as tough as a man. Because part of toughness also is the physical toughness. So the very minimal here, I think he's talking about with respect to honoring the wives and giving honor to them because they are the weaker vessel, is to recognize the differences and act upon those differences instead of pressuring women to be like men as though they are physically big and imposing and have the strength. And a good example of this backfiring of our society treating women like they were men is the firemen fiasco in the 70s in New York. 
To join the fire department, of course, they wanted to join a couple, a bunch of women did in the late 70s. They sued them for failing the physical exam. This physical exam is biased against women. You got that right, baby. <laughs> it should be. Do you want a 125-pound woman to carry you down 10 flights of stairs? Or do you want a 200-pound brute? That's why I thought you'd all want 200 pounds, because you're a bunch of bigots. This is where we are, brothers. Back in the 70s, I was born into this kind of culture. I didn't know any better. Older folk know a little better. Like, this is going crazy. This, this, is, this is irrational. They won in court. Of course. They found a New York judge. They did the test again. They're supposed to do a yearly test. She failed again. Didn't matter. By then, she got her foot in the door, and she you know, eventually became a captain in early 2001 and whatever else. And worked her way through the system. And now we are where we are today, where now they are pushing for women to be in the draft, for my daughter to be near the front line of combat. Because we have such irrational, as a society, we, irrational fear to recognize that women are different than men. Substantially different. Noticeably different. To live with understanding with our wives is not to imbibe into the lie of the egalitarianism of our age. To honor our wives as weaker vessels. To teach by example, therefore, our boys not to treat a woman that way, but to treat her a different way. To treat the mom differently. And that women should expect their husbands to treat them differently and not like a man. Reason two, they are joint heirs. They are joint heirs. Your wife is a Christian, and that is a great blessing. It's a blessing to have a wife who loves you, who's dedicated to you as a helpmate, who uses her strength and energy and talents for you, but it's even more so when she's a Christian. The first reason we read here is a natural reason. Women are different. The second reason here is a supernatural reason. These weaker vessels, nevertheless, are joint heirs of heaven. It's not by might and not by power that you get to heaven, brothers and sisters. It's by God's grace. And women are saved just like men are saved. We treat Christians with honor. We treat Christians, brothers and sisters in the Lord, with an honor that we don't treat the world. And we treat our wives with an especial honor that we don't treat other Christians, frankly. We give them preferential treatment. We think of them first. We consider them first in understanding and love. Your wife is a Christian. And therefore, she should be afforded more honor and understanding. Reason three. Here we have a negative reason. So first you've given two reasons, a natural reason and a supernatural reason. And now yet another reason, a theological reason, that your prayers may not be hindered. Sin can hinder your sanctification. That's obvious. You're not growing as much. You're not getting as blessed as much. You're not being as useful in God's kingdom as much. And here Peter gives some motivation or explanation to the Christian husbands with their Christian wives, that if the husband disrespects the wife, that's the flip side of honoring, dishonors the wife, if he's not understanding of her differences and her weaknesses and treats her like a man, for example, God is not pleased. And the prayers may be hindered. And although it's a vague statement, at the very least it means there are some negative consequences going on here. You're not going to be blessed. Paul, off, or Paul, Peter, offers 
two positive reasons and this negative one to motivate the husbands to do the right thing, to keep on doing the right thing. And I think we will, and I think you shall. And I urge you men to consider your path of leadership by dwelling with your wives in understanding and honoring them as women, not men, and as joint heirs to heaven. Let us pray. We thank you, God Almighty, for giving us these words of strength and encouragement from Peter, who speaks boldly and clearly to the men. To live with understanding, not in ignorance, Lord, not in an indifference, uh, not with uh, an attitude, as it were, but with understanding by implication, loving understanding, a sympathetic understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being joint heirs together with the grace of life, God Almighty. Help us, we pray, to continue in spite of what the world tells us. In your name alone we pray. Amen. Let us stand and let us sing. Psalm 101a, 101a. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you all. Amen. Amen.